Welcome to Weaver's Beyond the Numbers Real Estate Podcast. I'm Rob Nowak, real estate industry tax partner with Weaver, and I'm joined as always by my partner and collaborator, Howard Altschuler, Weaver's partner in charge of real estate services. Howard, it's been a little while. How are you doing today? Doing really good. How about yourself? Wonderful. If I was any better, there'd be two of me. <laughs> this podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes, if you can't tell. Nothing said here constitutes professional advice. If you have a question, call Weaver for help. You can go to weaver.com to find all of our content, white papers, live casts, and more. That's weaver.com. Our guest today, Howard, is Scott Winkler. Scott's a senior manager in Weaver's investment fund practice and obviously brings not only more knowledge, but more hair to the table than we typically see. Thank you. So, Scott, you know, we kind of play in similar worlds. Um, Rob and I deal with a lot of partnerships. You deal with a lot of funds. Yeah. Um, but it's it, both of them are preferred structures for real estate investing. So I wanted to talk today about what are some of the differences, pros and cons on either side, of um, real estate funds versus real estate partnerships. Um, so let's start. What's, what's like the biggest thing that you see as an advantage of, of funds? Sure. So I think the biggest advantage of an investment fund over a partnership is they're going to be nimble. So with an investment fund, you're usually able to obtain a subscription line of credit from the bank. And this enables you to have very quick access to capital. So you're able to move very quickly in a time-sensitive deal. So this would be an advantage over a private partnership. Okay. Yeah. Because what I see like when you do a private partnership, <clears throat> unless you have something like on the shelf, which not a lot of folks do, um, you have to go out, do your documents, raise your capital, make sure everybody's on board um, as you're doing the due diligence, which always runs a risk that it doesn't go through. So generally more time consuming. I get Yes. That. And, and perhaps that might explain, Howard, why we were talking today about the proliferation of real estate funds that we tend to see, right? We know that that deal flow is a little constricted right now. Good deals are sometimes hard to come by. Mm -hmm. I think if you have a fund structure in place, it just enables you to move on that deal significantly faster, as you said, than that, that single asset type of an investment. Um, and just further explains why we're seeing more and more fund vehicles. And I seem to be reviewing more fund partnership agreements than ever before. Right. Okay. What about promotes? Um, how, does a, how does a fund structure maybe differ from individual partnerships? So from the investor standpoint, you're probably going to be at an advantage being in a fund structure in terms of promote um, because the promote is pooled. So for example, let's take an investment fund of five investments and four of those are home runs and one of them is a bust. In an investment fund, that one bust is going to claw back the gains on the other four home runs. So you, you end up paying less carry than you would in five independent deals or independent partnerships that were paying carry uh, separately. Got it. So an advantage there from the investor or for the investor, um, I guess that's somewhat offsetting the fact that when you sign up for a fund, um, unless you're like a superstar investor, you don't really have much discretion in terms of what the fund's investing in. Absolutely. Whereas the, the individual deals, you can choose to go into a deal or not go into a deal, um, and therefore kind of a little bit more, you're, you're you know, making, what, making what you make, for lack of a better word there. <laughs> that pooled promote structure, Scott, is that hard and fast rule in a fund, or is that a negotiated term sometimes, you know, perhaps with a significant investor or an item that, you know, is, is not essential to just having a fund period? Can it be an asset by asset promote or is it a pool promote required? Certainly can be negotiated differently uh, based on the terms of the partnership agreement. Yeah, and, and I'll agree with that. I've seen some funds that have the pooled, the pooled promote, others have the deal by deal. I would say the pooled is definitely more predominant. 
Yes. Yeah, and I, and I suppose if you want access to the deals and access to the managers, um, it's going to be uh, you know the, the sponsor that's going to dictate those terms probably. Unless you're a really big investor, remember <laughs> 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 like you, like you, you speak from experience as, as one of as one of those big investors. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know we we're talking about this before too. What what happens to you know on a deal by deal basis if you don't do a deal, kind of a no harm no foul. Um, but what happens in a fund when you're getting near the end of the investment period and you've got a lot of unplaced capital? What what happens then? Scott, do you mind if I take this one? Please do. So. You know, I, I've struggled. I've I've seen clients struggle with this, where they're toward the end of the life of the fund and they still have unplaced capital. I think you risk getting sideways with some investors who had committed capital to the fund, mm-hmm. had reserved that capital in some sort of a liquid form, and had foregone another deal they could have entered into or another fund investment they could have made, reserving that commitment to the fund in question. So if that fund is not able to place those dollars, I think you risk upsetting an investor specifically if they're a significant investor, a family office or an institution. And do you know, do they come back into your next fund? You know, perhaps you create some bad will. I mean, what do you, you think, know, Howard? I, I agree with you hundred percent. I always hear, wow, we, we raised our fund and we got more than we expected. And now what, you know, yeah. and, and I'd be really interested if someone would maybe do some type of a project to say, you know, let's look at, early stage investments in a fund versus later stage investments in a fund and look at the performance and kind of see, is there a drop-off near the end because the sponsors feel more pressure to place the dollars um, than they would maybe in the beginning of the deal. Right. So what about, you know, from a tax standpoint, is there any significant differences? I mean, a a fund is a partnership. So, Uh, you know, I I love it when you ask tax questions because this is my time to shine. So we'll make, we'll make this our parting comment because we're going to be running out of time here as well. The Tax Reform Act of 2017, known as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, um, significantly changed the way investment expenses are deductible by individual taxpayers. So I think funds are, are still struggling with how to structure fees appropriately so that they can be built into a deal and amortizable, capitalized and amortizable, like, like you know acquisition fees and things like that versus asset management fees which are investment in nature and not deductible. I think the jury is still out a little bit as to how funds continue to respond to that and get very creative in their fee structure. But I know that it's something that's very much on the minds of many fund managers. And it's something that we spend a lot of time from a thought leadership perspective talking about. So basically putting that in non-tax language, what you're saying is taking the fees that the investors are paying and make it more tax advantageous for them than otherwise, but still not really having a big impact on the sponsor. Absolutely. Okay. Got it. Got it. And that's going to be our show for today. Um, Scott, thanks for being our guest. Um, As always, we've got the official Weaver podcast sticker going out to you. Everyone else, you can visit weaver.com to download this episode. Also find us on Spotify and iTunes. Um, We appreciate uh, everybody tuning in every week to listen to the show and what our guests have to say. Please like and follow us on LinkedIn. And for more thought leadership podcasts and livecasts, go to weaver.com. That's weaver.com. Thanks. Thank you.